0: You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. So we have a very special um a blessing this evening. I'm going to invite Pastor Charlie to come up here and um, this is Pastor Charlie Mitchell and Some of you might recognize him if you were at a retreat. Uh, I think it's been maybe a year and a half or so now when Pastor Doug Logan came uh, from Epiphany. Camden, uh, Pastor Charlie came together at that time. And at that time, he was still exploring where the Lord was going to lead him to plant a church. Uh, And our city is extremely blessed because he felt God leading him and his family with Aaron and the little ones here to Baltimore. So they're in the midst of right now... um, They've got Pastor Trevor and his family as well, but that's like their whole church right now because they're, they're just starting out. So we are extremely um, grateful that they could be here with us tonight. And I wanted Pastor Charlie to just share the word to lead us in this time of worship and, and just even as we show solidarity in our city for this word of God on, on this theme of Good Friday. So, um, Pastor Charlie Mitchell, love this
1: man. <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me this evening. If you would, turn into your Bibles to Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. We'll be primarily looking at um, verses 4 to 6 in particular, but I wanted to give us a bit of context as we look. So thank you so much, Pastor Dan and the team for having me. And uh, I look, it's, it's a huge honor and a privilege just to come. Your pastor's been coaching me already in being here, and so he's been a blessing. You guys have been a blessing to us. You, you don't even know it. You're like, ah, I didn't do anything. You're right, but it's okay, because Pastor Dan was with us, and he was helping us out. So, such an honor and a privilege to be here with you this evening. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6, primarily verses 4 to 6, and we're talking about this idea of being crushed, that Jesus was crushed on Good Friday, so, hear these words of the Lord from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6. And who, who has believed what, has heard, what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and esteemed, and we esteemed him not. Verse four, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the words that you wrote on the heart of Isaiah, the prophet, that he would get a glimpse of the Messiah, the one who was to come, and he would see things that would baffle the minds of the men and women that heard him in that day. But Lord, as we sit here today on Good Friday, this evening, reflecting back on the servant Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would be people that as we reflect upon and remember the cross, what took place on that hill called Calvary, that we would in fact be moved in our hearts, that you would soften yet again those hardened dead places, that we would be revived again And that we would have a a renewed sense of hope as we look forward to celebrating together on Easter. So Lord, be with us in this time. May my words fall on fertile ground. May you use me as just, just a tool in the Redeemer's hands for the sake of your people. Remove me and may you be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this evening it's kind of a weird thing, and it's it's interesting that Pastor Dan would have me come and speak on a night like tonight, because this is a sad night. So it's not uplifting. I can't get up here and rah-rah rah and get us all amped up and excited so that you would like me and potentially come to my church plan. <laughs> so I can't do that. We're remembering literally, we've taken this time out on Good Friday to remember and reflect upon the unjust murder and death of Jesus Christ. We've we've gathered together to think about the unjust death and murder of a sinless man. I don't know about you, but I don't look forward to funerals. I don't like funerals. Just this morning, I was driving to get my kids some lunch and drove past a um, a cemetery and there was a family there in mourning. And it hit me fresh again that this is what Good Friday is about. As we stand on the edge of a funeral, but not just any old funeral, just a several months ago, it's, um, I stood over the casket of my oldest sister and that's a funeral. It was nice, there were flowers, there were things, but this is not the same type of reflection. And I'm sad because I, I realized even in my own heart and maybe in yours, we've sanitized the cross of Jesus Christ. He so said, now we can kind of somberly and you know nicely and professionally and sterilely kind of view a tragic moment but really, we need to be faced with the realities of what has taken place 2,000 years ago. The most heinous of crimes, the, most vi- the biggest of violations, the most uh, uh, horrendous injustice, we've sterilized it to a gold necklace that we wear or just a pretty picture on a stained glass. But Good Friday is there to remind us every year that there was a death of one who was wholly unique, distinct from any other death in history. It points us to this man, Jesus, the most highly esteemed man in history. Those, a man who even his enemies would say had done nothing wrong. A man who was righteous in all that he did that is uncontested. And yet we stand here and reflect upon his murder and it's death. What is so grievous about it is death is hard. It weighs on your mind, your body, your soul. Death is hard by itself. What makes this even more difficult on a Good Friday is that we are complicit in the death of Jesus. Good Friday is bittersweet. Because we know the end of the story already. We're in a hurry to get there. But Good Friday makes us pause for a second to just go, okay, why in the world do we need an Easter to begin with? For what reason are we looking forward to Easter morning? Jesus died ultimately for us. Praise God. But he also died because of us. So we look at the crushing nature of sin and the death of Jesus Christ. So looking at our passage, we have this. It's called the Servant Song. Isaiah 53 is a very unique passage. It's the premier prophecy about the Messiah who is to come. So Isaiah is there. He's in, you know, there's a lot of things going on in his world And he is being used as the prophet of God to proclaim the truth about God to these people who are wayward and who are being punished for their sin. And he gets to this portion and he begins to talk about the Savior who is to come all throughout history. We've known that this life isn't supposed to be like this. We're always looking for a hero. We're always on the lookout for the next best thing, a Savior. And sometimes we fall short because we'll settle for a political figure or we'll settle for a social policy or we'll settle for some other thing. But we're still hoping and wishing and praying that someone will come and deal with the the, the deepest issues that we really face in our life. And so this is the premier prophecy of the Jesus, of, of that the Messiah would come and that he would atone or that his blood would cover the sins of the people, that he would be sacrificed on their behalf. And not only that he would be sacrificed on their behalf, but that he would step in to their place, taking on the punishment that they deserve. We simply call that substitutionary atonement. It's a deep word, but all it means is that someone has covered and paid the bill for you. And so when we were reflecting on this work of Calvary, it's so striking because, man, it's, it's a hard one. Man, I look for, my, can you imagine being in a difficult situation, hearing the word from the prophet, the one who hears from God? And, man, he tells us about the Savior's coming. He's going to reign and he's going to rule. It's going to be this great, magnificent thing. We'll finally be free, captive, set free. But listen, he's going to die. He's going to die. Not only is he going to die, he's going to be killed. Not only is he going to be killed, he's going to suffer. And it caused this kind of confusion amongst them to even say, man, it can't be, the, the, it can't be one and the same. The Messiah can't be the one who suffers and dies. No, it's got to be one who comes and reigns, and then there might be another who gets sacrificed. It can't be the same. And when we get to Jesus, we see that it was all one person. So look at verse four. First thing I want us to see is that, man, Jesus is the bearer of our burdens. Verse four says, Fear, uh, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Jesus bears in our place our sin. He takes it like a backpack. When it says that he is born our griefs, he takes up and bears the burden of sin. He has carried our griefs and our sorrows. We must remember that sin is not in the natural order of things. We've become so accustomed, it's like breathing, it's like water to us. It's so natural. It's like the air around us. Dysfunction. That we just live in light of sin. God never designed us to live the ways and and, and suffer and, and face the things that we face on a regular basis. Grief is not the result. Grief is the result of sin. Aches and pains are the results of sin. Sorrow As a result of sin, I look around our city, Baltimore, it's easy to see the sorrow, the aches, the pains. And because it's so visceral to us, we go, man, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. You know why? Because I can go to New York and it's a little bit nicer. I can go to L.A. and it's really a lot nicer. I can go to Florida and it's really, really, really nicer. But we have this ever-present kind of reality that even in a city like Baltimore, we can can just get so comfortable in the mess of our lives and just say, no, this is just the way it is. One author put it like this, even when it's familiar, sin is never normal. Never normal. Sin is a disruption of the created order and then resistance to divine restoration and of his harmony. So this deep, seated thing, this deep-seated reality that we have in our hearts that kind of walks around on our shoulders like a weight as we deal day in and day out with sin. Jesus comes in as the Messiah, the promised one, and he is the one who has borne or bared our griefs. He takes the weight that we rightly deserve, but he takes it upon himself on the cross. Let us skip down to verse 6. Jesus is saddled with our sin. Verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Jesus is the bearer of our burdens. He has willingly picked up our sin and said, ah, oh, okay. I've come to rescue you. I've come to take the grief, the burden that you bear. And then it says here that because we have all gone astray like sheep, we are all complicit in our sinful activity. We are willfully engaged in sin and participate in it. We're not just victims of circumstance, but no, we are actively engaged in it. But that, G, that God has come along It says the Lord has laid on him, strapped on his back, the iniquity of us all. So maybe you're sitting here saying, man, well, I didn't have anything to do with it. It's funny that in sometimes racial conversations, we'll hear our white brothers and sisters say, well, I didn't own slaves, so I'm not involved in it. And here, the word of God has laid at all of our feet. Our complicity in something, the benefits of something, the the, the, the the hardship of another is laid at each and every one of our feet. So we none of us can run away from the fact that Jesus is sitting here. He is getting laid over by the Lord. He has laid on him the iniquity of each and every one of us. He is saddled with our sin. His This is the suffering servant. The one who was sinless, who didn't deserve this, who wasn't complicit, he is the one who is uniquely capable of bearing our sin. Do we realize that we were parts of the ones who, why he had to be pierced, why he had to shed his blood? Do we recall that? can it be just that we go through the motions of just faith and life and church and religion and holidays that we forget that man i I'm I'm complicit I've broken the law of God that it is my transgression I've missed the mark I've done wrong Jesus takes upon himself our sins Paul said of Jesus, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In ourselves we couldn't become the righteousness of God, but someone else had to come along. So God put on the pressure of our sins, the the things that we couldn't carry ourselves. He put it on him so that we might get what we could not achieve in and of ourselves. Every lustful thought, every flippant word, every foolish deed has been laid on Jesus so that you might experience the freedom and reconciliation and loving relationship with God. That's what Good Friday is supposed to point us towards. Look back at verse 5. Jesus was crushed for the captives. Verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Good Friday forces us to remember the cross forces us to remember the cross, shakes us kind of out of our slumber. It is amazing to me that we celebrate and we'll take communion in a few moments, but that Jesus knew, had the foresight to remember that they'll forget me. And so I will establish a way in which they must remember what I've done on their behalf. We might sing the old song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the Lord, the God I love. And it's true. Were it not for these times, we would aimlessly go by and forget that we were hopelessly lost in sin, that we could not save ourselves. That this burden that we carry, the depression that we feel, the, 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 the lustful desires that we have, the, the ambition that cares about nothing and no one, all those things that, man, that he came and he took that for us. So he was crushed for the captives. Good Friday forces us to remember this cross. And we've sanitized it. Listen, listen. The crucifixion was meant to eliminate you, to demolish you, to eviscerate you. It was meant to dehumanize you. Jesus was annihilated on the cross, not just physically, but spiritually in this reality. He's taken those things upon himself and God has poured out his wrath on Jesus. Jesus was pierced for our sins. He was crushed. He was eliminated. Why, though? What made him do it? It was his love for us. God put the punishment that we deserve, that should have landed squarely on our head. He put it on his son, Jesus. But look at what verse five says. That's not the end of it. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. that brought us peace. See, this is the bittersweet mingling that happens on Good Friday. The bittersweet mingling is this. It's so bitter when you start to really reflect on why in the world did Jesus have to go to the cross? You start to feel the pressure. Ah, ah, I was complicit. I had a hand in it. There's blood on my hands that I can't get off. But the reason he went to the cross—yes, I'm complicit—but the whole purpose of him going, the sweetness of this this moment called Calvary, why we idolize, we we've lifted up, don't idolize—we've lifted up the cross. It's because he did it so that we may have peace. So he went to those those links, those those, that far deep into the bowels that he would go and say, man, I love them so much in spite of their sin, in spite of their mess, in spite of all the things that they've done, in spite of their willfulness, in spite of their complicity, man, I want them to experience the peace that they could never possibly have apart from me doing this. So this is the sweetness that he died to set the captives free. You were bound in your sin, slave to sin, serving the God of this world, but there was one who would come, who would set the captives free by laying his life down on your behalf. So, do we go into Good Friday like the disciples did? Yes, we have a bit of mourning that goes on in our hearts. We are reflective about where the Lord has brought us from. But what should begin to bubble as we begin to worship and look forward to Sunday is that it was all because he wanted to see us be set free. Jesus was crushed so that he could set you free. Many of us have just come for religious right and purposes now. Let us be mindful today that Calvary, the crushing of Jesus, was ultimately for your good and so that you could ultimately be free. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Man, barely a guy would die for a good man. Never would anybody consider dying for a bad one. And so here we are standing in this Good Friday, reflecting on the cross. God, I pray that it wouldn't just be trivial religious observance. That God, the weight, the weight, the crushing weight of why you had to go to the cross, may it open our eyes to see. May it, may it begin to soften our hearts that as we, as we go back into our cities, into our homes, into school, wherever we go at work, that there is still a crushing weight on people. And Lord, may we be, may we be so bold because we've, we've been ravaged by the love of God, because we've, we've reflected and we've uh, remembered what you've done for us. May we step in and see the burden lifted off of someone's shoulder as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. But Lord, do a work in our hearts first. Do a work in our hearts first. Would you transform us from the inside out, helping us to remember the gospel, remember the good news, remember our complicity so that man, as we would almost get to a point of despair and sorrow in our remembering our sin, Lord, that we would rise up higher and praise for you on Sunday morning, remembering your resurrection. So, Lord, be with us even now. Help us to remember that you were crushed so that we may have peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. We're going to go into time to respond to the word. pray. Um, I- and and we're going to come to the table, but before we do that, I, I felt led that um, this can be a real personal message, and it should be. I think that's appropriate, but I want us to pray with one another, and as I was listening to Pastor preach, being reminded of this serious news that we, that we wrestle with, that, that, that it presses on our hearts in a good way. It's bittersweet. Uh, it, it's, it's hard, but it's a good message. It's good news. But in any good news that we experience, we know that someone has sacrificed. Any good news, someone has sacrificed for us to receive that. And in this greatest news, it's the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. But what I want us to do is, I, I thought the point of why do we take communion? That Jesus and his force, I knew that we would forget. That in our flesh, we just forget. It becomes old news, becomes commonplace. And, and we have these things of weekly gatherings. We have these things where we come to meet together. We have the table to come rem- remember because we forget. And I think one of the ways as a community that we also remember is through one another. So I, what, before we come to the table, before we pray individually, and maybe you got work to do on your own, if that's you, feel free. Get on the floor, pray by yourself. But what I want to invite us to do for a few moments is pray with a few people around you right now. And through even their words, be reminded of the truth of, of the suffering servant, of the one who takes the burden, of that backpack of all of our sin that would have us face down on the ground he takes it on his shoulders he takes all of our stuff he takes of our he takes our crushing share and pray with one another and let the words that you hear from even others move you to greater worship so can we do that right now and I know for some of us that's a that's a foreign thing you're not used to praying with others you can just sit there and listen to other people pray that's okay but let's let's break up into like threes fours fives whatever you need to do with the people around you and just go around pray Pray together. Remind one another through your words of who Jesus is. Thank him. And and let that lead you into worship. So let's just do that right now with whoever's around you. Grab a few people. If you need to introduce yourself, do that. If some of you introverts, you got to get over it. It's okay. Let the spirit lead you to pray right now with some other people and, and lead you into that time. So if you need to introduce yourself and take a few moments together and pray. Thank you. we hear the prayers, even those around us, would you be stirring within us a reminder of of this message? Lord, as, as varied as the people are in this room, God, you're reminding us again that we were all complicit in some manner. That every single one of us, no matter how we would label our our failure, our sin, our brokenness, the things we've had done to us, the things we've done to others, the one commonality that we all share here is we all took part. And we all needed good news that came at such a great cost for this suffering servant, Jesus. So Lord, would you use that message to soften hearts? We are so thankful, God. God, we are we are just thankful, full of gratitude. In some sense, full of joy. But God, at the same time, we are we're sorry, and we ask that you forgive us that we forget so easily that this whole thing, even called church, can become uh, just something we do out of habit rather than flowing out of a, an, a gratitude of something that we don't deserve, but that we've been given greatly. So help us to worship, Lord. Help us to worship in response. Would it become personal again? Would it become communal again, Lord? Uniting us together in this message, Lord. Can I ask you to stand together as we continue to respond? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to keep praying. If, if the Lord is stirring your heart to pray, I would invite you to pray. There's a lot of space you can get on your knees if you want. You can stand. You can You can sit. You can do whatever you need to. But I also want to invite you as we sing, As we pray, for some of you, if you're a Christian, I would invite you to come up to the table during this time, and remember, we've been given this gift of the Lord's Supper, the remember, because we are people who are prone to forget. And remember, as we see this tray here in the middle with these pieces of bread, remember the broken body of Jesus, torn apart for us. And we remember through the cups, remember what uh, needed to be done so that our sins could be forgiven, that we could be made clean, that we could be healed. As we read, it was the shedding of Jesus' blood on our behalf. And as Pastor reminded us here, it's not just Jesus dying for us. I think most of us get that, but we've also got to recognize he died instead of us. Not just for us, he also instead of us, and at his great cost and his great sacrifice, we are now given life. So come, partake. As you do it, let it be full of gratitude. Let it be full of joy. But let it also humble your heart to say, this came at someone else's cost, and now I have life. If you're not a Christian, if you're here and you're observing this, I pray, uh, just ask God to say, God, is, is, is this for me too? Is this for me too? And I want to welcome you to say, yeah. Because the one commonality here is none of us can deserve this. None of us can earn this no matter how good we are. And none of us can be devoid of this no matter how bad we are. The one common thing is we say we need someone who did that on our behalf. And if that's you, receive the message of good news of Jesus tonight. And maybe your communion can be the first one as a follower of Jesus. So sing, pray, pray. Receive communion. You could keep praying with others if you want, but let it be a time where you respond as appropriate to you.